glorify you. It's in Christ's name we pray this. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Wow, how about that band? They are awesome. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else. We have an amazing show today, so let's get started. Today, I have the top 10 list. And ladies, this is just to the ladies. Are you ready to awaken your inner peace and journey to a new and fearless you? Do you hunger to connect with the wisdom within you, around you, and the power of the redemption of Jesus Christ? Well, there is an amazing event coming up. The Women's Retreat is October the 1st through the 3rd at Falls Creek in beautiful Davis, Oklahoma. Oh, they have great accommodations. They have hotel-style rooms, great food, fun, worship, prayer, and fellowship. And today's top 10 category is 10 reasons why you should attend the women's retreats. Okay, number 10, no cooking or cleaning. Or laundry and bills. Or laundry and bills. Number nine, you won't hear words like, Mom, ew, ugh. Honey, have you seen my keys? Or what's for dinner? Whoa, she's mean. You betcha. Number eight. You will be away from unexplained noises and smells. And if you do, you know it's not the dog. It does smell a lot better on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Number seven, no one follows you into the bathroom and stares at you. And the toilet seats will be down. Bonus. Number six, no furry things needing your attention. That does include your pets. You betcha. Number five, you can pee your pants laughing among other women. We're not going to mention any names. Nope. What happens at the retreat stays at the retreat. We'll never never bring bring it it up up again. again. Number four, no worrying about kids or family schedules. All you have to worry about is yourself. Amen. <laughs> Number three, you can read and study your Bible with no interruptions. And actually learn a thing or three. <laughs> Whoa. Imagine. You can, uh, Number two, you can actually be still in peace to have quiet time with God. Girl, you had me at peace and quiet. Mm-hmm. And then number one on the list, why you should go to the women's retreat. You will likely walk away feeling stronger, refilled, refreshed, rejuvenated, and redeemed. My bags are packed. Ooh, girl, mine too. So, ladies... Are your bags packed? Get them packed for an amazing weekend. You can sign up in the foyer. There's a women's ministry table right out there. Uh, If you have any questions, they can be answered there. Come and join us for a weekend with other women for love, friendship, worship, and a time with the Almighty God. Amen. Okay. Well, on with the show. 
Today we have a long-standing comedian, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Pastor Mike Bishop. Very funny. (laughs) Ah, How you all doing this morning? Oh, let me take this. Better. I'm going to be looking forward to the day when we can leave those things behind. Amen? Amen. Hey, if you are online, please check in, say hello. We'd like to know that you're out there. If you need a sermon outline, raise your hand right now. We'll get you one. Couple over here, couple back there. That's it. Get him running around. I like this to be spread out as much as possible. He needs, yeah, he needs that exercise. And if you're online, you can get one in the chat section of. Uh, Facebook right there. Ah. So another year older. Every year it's the same old story. I remember my dad saying, every day on my birthday, every birthday I check the newspaper, check the obituaries to see if I'm in there. Ah. Well, last week we began looking at the life of a most extraordinary man, John the Baptist. And John is extraordinary for a number of reasons. Not the least, he's a relative of Jesus. I mean, that's pretty cool, isn't it, to say you're actually a relative of Jesus. Second, he was filled with the Holy Spirit before birth. The only person recorded in the Bible that I know of, you might know of one, I don't know of any others, that had the Holy Spirit before birth. He was born. And then the third thing that makes John exceptional or extraordinary is that his mission in life was defined for him before he was born. And and, and I think about things like that. I mean, can you imagine being John the Baptist as you're growing up? And you're sitting around the dinner table and the rest of the family's there. and, And dad has had this experience, if you read back in Luke, where an angel comes to him. Dad is a priest. He serves in the temple. And an angel has come to him and told him that his wife is going to have a baby, only child. She was barren. She was old. And that this baby was, was destined to be the forerunner of Christ. He would herald the way for Christ before you're born. I, I just think that's incredible. I, just, just trying to get my head around it. At what point when they're sitting at the table, do they say, hey, John, guess what? An angel came and told us about you. It's like we say, What? <laughs> Yeah, told us what you were going to do. But John had the Holy Spirit in him already. So he was probably already connected to his destiny. Just incredible. And and John never deviated from the course that God had him on. Last week, we looked at Luke chapter 7, where, where Jesus said this about John. This is in verses 24 through 28. He said, after John's disciples left, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? Nope. People who wear beautiful clothes and live in luxury are found in a palace. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. And he will prepare your way before you. I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Jesus is saying this. I mean, this is pretty awesome, isn't it? None is greater than John. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Now, if you haven't got any of the messages in this series, Walking with Jesus, you can go online uh, to our website, lakewayonline.org. You can download them, listen to them online. But the reason that John never deviated from the path, the course that that God had put him on even before he was born is because he had the Holy Spirit in him before he was born. And the Bible tells us that every single follower of Christ Jesus, every single person that has said yes to Jesus sincerely in their heart, I want you in my life, Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus. The Bible tells us at that moment, you too are endowed with the same powerful Holy Spirit that was in John, that enabled John to do everything that he did. That same spirit is in you. 
And in the midst of all of this brokenness and the pain and the struggle of this life, the difficulties of this life, and they're hard, you can have real life in the Spirit, in the middle of all that. Because where the Spirit is active, you find the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You find wisdom where the Spirit is active. You find understanding where the Spirit is active. You find discernment where the Spirit is active. And where the Spirit is not active, you find discord, envy, jealousy, anger, and all manner of muck and dirt. It's easy to see the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Very easy. And it's easy to see the evidence of the absence of the Holy Spirit. God gives every single person who says yes to Jesus his Holy Spirit. And yet, so often, we fall short of living the wonderful full life that Jesus Christ has for us. And the reason for that is that the Holy Spirit is not always fully active in our lives. We've got the Spirit, but we don't really live in the Spirit. And we miss out on a lot. Let me show you what I mean. It's my birthday. I'll eat what I want. The Spirit's kind of like a donut, if I can get the donut out of here. There we go. Now, I'm going to need a coffee. You can't eat a donut and not have coffee, can you? Could somebody, Lynn, are you here? Could you grab me a coffee, Lynn? A little cream, a little sugar. I mean, if you have a donut, you've got to have coffee, haven't you? Anybody like donuts? Yeah, you've got to have coffee with a donut, right? Anyone over here like donuts? Yep, you've got to have coffee with it. You like donuts, Gwen? Yeah, good. Gwen and Kelly, come on up here. You like donuts. Come on up here, girl. Come on up here. I saw you admit. I'm not going to do anything mean, I promise. Absolutely promise. And you know that you can trust me. This donut donut is for you. You You got to come up here, yes. I'm not going to get you to have coffee. I don't even need the coffee. That was just a ruse to get you to raise your hand. (laughs) Gwen, here's a nice donut for you too. You like donuts? All you got to do, I don't need the coffee. Are you sure? It was just a trip. Well, I'll take it. I'll you take it. <laughs> we wanted to talk about you while you were out. <laughs> I want you to go ahead and, and eat your donut. I promise you, I absolutely promise you, I have not doctored these donuts, okay? I promise you. Just go ahead and eat the donuts. The Holy Spirit is kind of like a donut. Amen. See, I got an amen back there. Yeah, Holy Spirit, donut. I want the Holy Spirit. How's, how, how is it? It's okay, right? There's nothing wrong with it, is there? It's really good. Absolutely good, isn't it? How's yours? Nothing. Oh, you got the cream in the middle. Is that good? Yeah, is that tasty? How's yours? Yeah. You got no cream? No. You got a donut without cream? No. You got a donut with cream? How does yours taste? Excellent. How does that cream? Really good. You've got to have the filling, haven't you? Mm-hmm. How's yours? Bland. It's okay though, right? <laughs> it just doesn't have the filling. It just doesn't have that part that you really expect in the middle of the donut. Ladies, you may step down and eat your donuts. The Holy Spirit is kind of like that. When you live life Without the Spirit active in you, it's like living life. You've got a donut. You've got it there. But the... The best part is missing. The bit in the middle is missing. And that creamy part is what the donut is all about, right? And we don't want to live a life and miss out on the best part. I mean, that's kind of sad, isn't it? If God gives us his Holy Spirit, says, you've got my spirit. It has all of these things. It has love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It has guidance. It has wisdom. It'll show you the way to go. I'm good. Not really up for that, Jesus. But, but thank you anyways. You know, I got it here. If I ever need it, I'll pull that out and I can use it. So many people live their lives that way. It's sad. Now, here's what happens. 
Here's my experience of what happens. When you're living life without the donut, without the filling, without the Holy Spirit like Gwen is, You miss out on so much. You know, you, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That Holy Spirit is given to you. And you got that excitement right at the beginning. It's like, yeah. And you remember that day and you're all on fire for Jesus. You're excited about Jesus. But then for some reason, you, you don't follow through with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And after a little while, it's kind of like, well, maybe that's not really for me. And do you know what we do? We settle. We settle for less than God's best. Paul talks about this extensively in Galatians chapter 1 through 4. We're going to go through the whole of Galatians this morning. No, we're not. He talks about three different ways that we can live our lives. Now, here's the thing that's important as I'm teaching this this morning. This letter was written to followers of Jesus Christ. He wasn't writing to those outside of the church. He was writing to the followers of Jesus Christ, to those people who have been given the Holy Spirit. Now, he points out three different ways of living. Now, if you've got your, your sermon outline here, here's, here's your first. Let me see what that sermon outline looks like. I should really know this. Oh, yeah. Three different ways of living. The way of legalism. Okay, here's a way of living, the way, the way of legalism. If you have the Holy Spirit, but you're not living in the Spirit, and you see other people living in the Spirit, sometimes we gravitate to legalism. We become the churchy person. We all know about the churchy person, right? That's that one person that you don't want to invite to the party because they're a stick in the mud. You know, It's all about the rules and the regulations. And many of those rules and regulations have nothing to do with the example that Jesus Christ gave to us. They're just stuff that we've added on over the years in church, you know. And you become the churchy person. It's all full of do's and don'ts. And your life is based on human effort. Galatians 3.3, Paul said this. He says, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? I gave you this spirit. I filled you up with this spirit. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Is what he's saying to this church in in Galatia. Because they had gone back to the observations of the law. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We can't do this. We can't do that. Oh, life is so good with Jesus. He said, no, that's not what it's all about. Now, typically, legalistic people tend to be judgmental people. And I'm being judgmental as I say this. But here's the problem, and we all know people like this, and if you're like this, I pray that God will set you free from it. When you look at all the rules, and when you look at God's standard, you can't live to God's standard. But if you're about all the rules, what you do is, because you can't live to God's standard, instead of measuring yourself against God's standard, you look for other people. You look for people that you see as worse than you are. And then you go down that road of, well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And And you're judging people because it makes you feel a little bit better. Because in your heart, you know you're not living up to God's standard. (laughs) There's no real joy in that life. Because you're constantly seeking for the worst in people all the time. The second way, that's the way of legalism. The second way of living is the way of license. If I can't live up to God's standards, may as well abandon it all. You know, all hope of righteousness is gone. I got, I, I got my ticket to Jesus. I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I can't live up to those standards. I got my ticket. I go live like I want to live. And Paul says this in Galatians, he says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. The person who lives a life of license is the person who initially is excited about their Christian life. But instead of developing the maturity to follow that life, they give up on it almost immediately and go back to their old life. 
And they live a double life sometimes. They settle. And here's what happens. They ask Jesus to come in. The Spirit takes up residence, as it does in everybody that asks for Jesus to come in. But instead of following the leading of that Spirit, they follow the urges and the desires of the flesh. Now, here's the thing with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we get this idea that, that if we invite Jesus into our life, he gives us his Holy Spirit, and boom, we're just changed. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches you've got to work at it. It takes some effort. Yes, I'll give you the power, but you're the one that's got to do the work. And I will empower you to do the work. And if you can't be bothered to do the work, because Satan's going to come at you with temptation and everything else, and it's easy to go down that road. But what did Jesus say? No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but will provide you with a way out. So that you can resist this sin. But if you don't do that, you're going to slip back to the old ways. And then you just live this life of just not feeling good about yourself. You don't fit with the people in the bar. You don't fit with the people in church. And you give up. He says, so I say, this is in Galatians 5, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature, wants to, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us a desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Every one of us is in this battle. Is it just me? Or, yeah? Good, good. Thank you, God. You're all in a bad place just like I am. <laughs> So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Now, here's the danger of living that lifestyle. You numb the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's in you, but you're not living in the Spirit. And you know that you're missing out. Because that's part of what the Spirit does. It convicts us, it directs us, it guides us. So you numb the activity of the Spirit. I'm just not going to listen to it. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life, even though I don't feel good about living my life. And I'm not going to think about consequences. I'm not going to think about any of that stuff. I'm just going to pretend everything is okay. And on I go. I've heard the term carnal Christian. Not 100% convinced on this one. But I've heard the term carnal Christian. A carnal Christian is that person who's invited Jesus into their heart but they've become desensitized to the leading of the Holy Spirit and they live according to the flesh and the desires of the flesh. They don't think of their sin as sin. Or if they do, they've got this idea, like I said, that it really doesn't matter. I, I can do these things and, and God's not going to mind. Let me tell you something. That is a dangerous way to live. Because God does mind. and We don't talk about this kind of thing very often. Because we don't like to think about the idea that God actually cares about the evil in our lives and he does something about it. And sometimes I look back at my own life and I see times in my life where I've gone through some difficult stuff. And you're praying through the difficult stuff. God, release me from this. Oh, and God's up there. No, actually, I brought that to you because I'm trying to get your attention. You're going down the wrong road. I want you to go down the right road. God will do what God needs to do to get his Holy Spirit active in your life. And the third way of living is the way of the Spirit. That's where we want to be. Romans 8. The whole of Romans 8. I almost started preaching on it. It's my second favorite chapter in the whole Bible. But I decided I'm just going to read this little bit. It says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You're not obliged to the sinful nature. You don't have to do it. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. You notice the active clause in there? If you put to death. I really think that sometimes, like I said earlier, we kind of have this attitude. We got these things going on in our lives. We pray to Jesus. Jesus, would you say, would you, would you change me? 
And we go sit on the couch and wait for the changing. Watching stuff we're not supposed to be watching. (laughs) And Jesus is saying, yeah, absolutely. I'm all in changing you. Get up off the couch, start moving, and I'll change you. This is a partnership. Put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And what Paul is saying really simply here, and we just sang it, you don't have to be a slave to sin. Not one person in here has to be a slave to sin. Now, that doesn't mean that we live perfect lives. We all stumble and fall. And this is where Satan does a job on us. You you stumble, you fall, you might as well just give up. You're just no good. But that's not the life that Jesus said. I know that you stumble and fall. Don't be entrapped by that stuff. Don't be enslaved by that stuff. Get up and keep on walking. You trip, I'll get you up again. Just keep on walking. Don't give up. So how do we live by the Spirit? Well, I've got four things right from Scripture for you. Number one, we allow the Spirit to guide us in all things. I'm going to go through these quickly. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. How much truth is He going to guide you into? All truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Even the Holy Spirit is being guided by God. He guides the Spirit. The Spirit guides us. Second one, we allow the Spirit to control our minds. So the first one, we seek guidance. God, would you show me? Would you show me? Would you show me? We allow the Spirit to control our minds. The scripture here, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Do you ever let your mind go where it shouldn't go? And you know that you do. It's like, what's the point of that? I do it myself. Sometimes I'm lying in bed. I can't sleep. My mind goes off in a direction that it's not supposed to go off. And instead of letting the Spirit control my mind, whoop, whoop, wrong course. Just follow after that a little bit. Until you get to the point where, whoop, whoop, wrong course. Get back on course. It's a choice to allow the Holy Spirit to control our mind. Next one, we are led by the Spirit. Romans eight fourteen. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So first, we allow the Spirit to guide us in all things. I'm going to seek your direction, Father, in everything. Then we ask the Spirit to control our mind. I'm not going to go down these paths, these roads that I shouldn't go. Father, would you, would you guide my mind? And God says, yeah, I'll guide your mind. I'm going to submit. I'm going to give my mind to you. Now I'm going to be led by the Spirit. As God talks to me, he says, go down this path. Go this way. Which leads us to the fourth one, we keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You keep up with it. You don't give up. We keep going in the direction that the Spirit leads in. You know, as as I read through this stuff, it can seem burdensome. Shouldn't this journey with Jesus be easier than this, Pastor Mike? Does it really just have to be a war all the time? Constantly having to resist temptation and everything else. Why can't it just be, yeah, me and Jesus? I don't want to minimize stuff. It's really not that difficult. It's really not that difficult. God empowers us to do anything that he calls us to do. So if he calls us to live in the Spirit, he empowers us to live in the Spirit. Go back to Transformed. Remember some of the verses from Transformed? Remember this one? These two? For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do you remember that one? Who will memorize that? One, two, three, a few of you. Let me... And the other one, let me finish the other one and then tell you off. (laughs) For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. 
Let me tell you something, folks. You cannot live in the power of the Holy Spirit if you do not live in the power of God's Word. You need His Word inside of you. You can't read it and snack on it. You need to digest it. And there are some verses, there are some passages of Scripture that you just need to have hold of so that when Satan comes knocking, God's got it. So here's the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember when Jesus was being tempted? What did he say to Satan each time? It is written. Do you think he was looking for his phone to look up the verse? Calling out to John out in the woods. Hey, John, you have a copy of the Bible? What's that verse about? <laughs> you got to get this stuff inside. Th- these are just two great little verses just to have just like that. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. For I can do everything. How much can we do? Everything through Christ who gives me strength. Do you know if Satan could keep you away from God's word, he can fool you with all kinds of worldly wisdom. And he can fool you into believing that you just don't have what it takes to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. He lies, he exaggerates, and he discourages. But life in the Spirit really isn't that difficult. The best way to live in the Spirit? Live in love. Live in love. 1 John 5, 3 says, Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. He made it really easy. Galatians 5 One thing that God requires. We all know what it is. What do you think it is? For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. How hard is that? What do you require of me, God? Oh, I know it's going to be horrible. Mike, do you you think you could love people? Oh, no. Are you kidding? (sighs) Yeah, do you know? And there's the battle, isn't it? Do you know my neighbor, Jesus? (laughs) He says, yeah, I know you. (laughs) There's the problem. This is the essence of what we're talking about this morning. Anytime that you choose to step out and act in faith, act in obedience, you serve love. And anytime you choose not to do what Jesus Christ has called you to do, you attack love. And you serve yourself. If you go through the Bible and you look at everything that God calls us to do, it serves love. And all of the sins... Take away from love. So what is the best expression of love? Well, let's go back to John. John, filled with the Holy Spirit, was singular in his mission. And what was his mission? Prepare the way for the coming Lord. Tell people that the kingdom of heaven is near. Here's what I've discovered. Above all else, if you want to live in the Spirit and the power of the Spirit is living in your life, your heart is going to be inclined towards people that don't know Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing that we can be about. That's why God set up the church. It's important to feed people. It's important to clothe people. It's important to comfort people. All of those things are in the Bible. But the most important thing that we can do is prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ in people's loves, lives. That is the absolute definition of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. When we are concerned for those that don't know Jesus, we're doing what the Spirit has called us to do. We are joining the Spirit in His work. Now, does that mean that we all have to be evangelists? Because right away I know some people are now going, no, oh, no, no, here we go. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Let me explain. 
gosh, I tell you what, the Spirit has just been bombarding me just lately. And something just kept coming to me, so indulge me on this. So today's my birthday, August 29th. Katrina, Ida, Mike. <laughs> and Michael Jackson. <laughs> but August 29th is not the most important day in my life. September the 6th is the most important day in my life. September the 6th, 1987. September the 6th is my friend Chuck's birthday, too. And my grandson Kenneth's birthday. You should remember that. September the 6th, 1987 is the day that I received the Holy Spirit. It's the day that I asked Jesus Christ, that I said yes to Jesus Christ. Now, I had been a believer in Jesus Christ for a number of years prior to that. I'd been an atheist, and then I came to know Jesus, and I, and I learned about Jesus, and I, I was teaching Sunday school and doing all kinds of things. And then on September the 6th, 1987, at long last, chiseled through my thick skull, and I knew I had to make another step. And that step was, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to live my life for you. I don't just want to know about you. I want to know you. And on that day, he imparted his Holy Spirit into my life. Now, the reason I'm so convinced of the power of all this is because I know on that day, I changed. I'm a different person now than I was on September the 5th, 1987. Because of the power of Jesus Christ in my, my life. That's a week Monday. It's my spiritual birthday. Now, I want you to bear with me for a moment. I want you to cast your mind back to the day that you received the Holy Spirit. I want you to just think about that for a second. The day that you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life as your Lord and Savior, and he poured his Holy Spirit out upon you. That is your spiritual birthday. It's more important than your physical birthday. Because the physical will pass away. Another year older. Who knows how many's left? Who cares? I know where I'm going. Because the spiritual is taken care of and the spiritual is eternal. September the 6th is more important than August the 29th. Because that was my spiritual birthday. The greatest expression of love ever shown to you was by all of those people who brought you to Jesus, your spiritual birthday. Those people were living in the spirit. They're not perfect people. They're broken people. They're people who were dealing with real-world issues. They're people who were dealing with personal failure, with guilt, with hurt, with all the struggles of life. Life issues, relational issues, financial issues, time issues, kid issues, work issues. Just ordinary people. And everything that, the holy, that, that, that Satan throws at us. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, driven by love, they changed your eternity. I want you to think about that for a moment. Now, here's the thing. And this is why the church is so important. There might be a significant individual in your story, but they weren't working alone. There was a whole bunch of people working in the background, a bunch of people working in the foreground, some people working behind the scenes. Just like there is on any morning here. There are people changing diapers, getting coffee, playing music, making sure that the video is right, making sure that the sound is right. All of those people are living in the Spirit. They are using the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to them. And they all combines together. And you think back to that day when you asked Jesus Christ into your life, how many people were working? 
to make sure that your eternity was changed forever. I remember the day, September 6, 1987, it was in the curling rink. It's Canada. I didn't think, you have to, I've shared this story before. I didn't think you had to do that stuff. I thought if you, if you believed in Jesus, you were good to go. And there's plenty of scriptures. You can find whatever you want to back up what you want to believe. Because my wife had already asked Jesus to be her Lord and Savior. And I remember thinking, she's gone over to the other side. Those nutcase Christians. <laughs> I want to think about it. How many people did it take to set up the chairs in the curling rink to set up the sound. The friends that invited us to go, and I didn't want to go. And Sandra told me I had to. And I'm not stupid, so I went. Because our friends who meant a lot to us had invited us. And she said, you have to go. Jane and Kelly have invited us. And I knew I was going to go and be with all those stuffy Christians that wear hats and drive white cars. Because that's what they did back then. <laughs> and all of those people at work, and that man that got up there to speak, the people that played music, the people that were singing, all comes together. And my eternity is changed forever because of the work that they did. I want to make this real simple this morning, because sometimes we can make it so hard. Each and every one of us is called to be in this work. That's why we're here. And if you're not involved in this work, I'm just going to be up front here, then you're not involved in the work that the Spirit is calling you to do. We're all called to be part of this. You know, we prayed for Louisiana just now. How many people today in Louisiana are going to lose their life, and they don't know Jesus Christ. But I'll guarantee you this, they know people who do know Jesus Christ. Sometimes the door is closed and there's no opening. Okay, it's noon already. I'm going to go through these four. I gave you four things here, didn't I? I'm going to go through them really quick. How to engage the Spirit in your life. And, and I, I want to go through these quick because I think the most significant change in my life came about when I realized what the number one purpose of my life is. To prepare the way for Jesus Christ. And I remember intentionally learning how to do that. And my life changed from that point. So there are four things. First one. When I see myself as a witness, what did Jesus say to his disciples? You shall be my witnesses. Every single person sitting in this room is a witness. Some are good witnesses and some are not so good witnesses. But we're all witnesses. We all give a story of some kind. Is your story the story of Jesus Christ? Are you living your life in such a manner that when people look at you, they think about Jesus? Number two, when I see lost people the way God sees them. When I care enough to risk enough to have the conversations that I need to have. Number three, when I rate, relate to irreligious people regularly. I used to be so good at this. It's going to be transparent here. I love evangelism. I love telling people about Jesus Christ. I hardly ever do it now. I do it here. Because God has changed the role in my life. But I don't spend enough time just mixing with people that aren't church people. Because my life is surrounded by church people. And I like church people. I didn't used to. But now I do. If I had an opportunity to spend my time with someone outside of church or spend my time with a church person, I'm going to spend my time with a church person. But I need to make a change in that. And number four, when I pray for those far from Christ regularly. 
You know, when you keep praying for someone on a regular basis that doesn't know Jesus, you'll change how you think about them. You'll change how you relate to them. They will become more important to you because the Holy Spirit will make them more important for you. And then all of a sudden, you will start spending time with them. Sometimes it takes years. God led me to someone a couple years ago now out at the lake. And I know God led me to this person. And he's an irreligious person. I can say it clearly because I know he's not watching. (laughs) And sometimes I see him and sometimes I'll go months without seeing him. But he keeps coming up. And and, and I just know, I praise him that, God, I know that you put me together in this person's life for a purpose. And any time that I've ever mentioned Christianity, he's scattered away. He's kind of like, don't want to talk about that. But I have to be intentional about that. And just not give up on it because God brought him into my life for a purpose. Because God cares about his eternity. So let me close with this. No big rah-rah, all right? We're going to go out and save the colony. Yay! I haven't even talked to the elders about this. I did fire off an email to all you guys on Friday. Nobody responded. But some of the ministry leads did. I want to challenge you to the 5-6 challenge, okay? On your sheet there, oh, the numbers came out wrong. Does it say 6, 7, 8, 9, 10? Yeah, it should say 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. <laughs> Just pretend. I want you to think about five people that you know. And take your time. I don't want you to jot down names quickly. I want you to pray about this, okay? Five people that you know who are far from Jesus. And I want to ask you to begin praying for them on a regular basis for six weeks. That's what the six is. In six weeks' time, it's October the 10th. This is what I haven't yet shared with the elders. It might be seven weeks. It could be eight. It could be the 5-8 challenge once we have the conversations. I want us... You know, this is one of those things where God, please know. I just felt God lay it on my heart. And we're going to have a special service. Maybe out on the lawn. We'll get hungry souls to cook food. I want you to be praying for these people. And we'll have a special service out there. And you can invite them to a, 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 an easy kind of relax. Hey, we're going to sit out on the lawn. We're going to eat food. Pastor Mike's going to come up and maybe preach for 20 minutes maybe four hours, somewhere in between there. And we're going to pray that God would move in the lives of these people. And I'm praying for a harvest. And that doesn't mean that people just automatically on that say, yeah, yeah, Jesus. But it could be one step closer. And they come here and they meet some people. They meet Benny and Emily and they think, I like them. I'll come back to that church. They seem like fun people. I didn't feel scared when I was there. And the food was awesome. And I really enjoyed the music. And who knows what God will do with that. Will you accept the challenge? The five, six challenge? Pray for five people for six weeks, maybe longer. And let's see what God does. Is that a deal? All right. Let me shut it down there. I had a lot more, but I thought it was going to be a short service. Sorry, not very good at this. Oh, one last question. Big. What is your role in the work of the Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit calling you to do in His church so that people would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Pray about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, you are over all things, and all things are held together in your hands. And in all things, Father, you have called us, your church, to be your spokespeople. Father, we are called to be your light here on earth, bringing the light and the good news of Jesus Christ to those that don't know him. Father, I know from personal experience, when we get on board with what it is that you've called us to do, that spirit in our lives just seems to well up. 
And all of those things that we struggle with that we just can't seem to get a handle on, they're not important anymore because we're focused on what is good and what is right. And it's not about thou shalt and thou shalt not. It's about who. Who do you want me to touch? Who do you want me to reach, Jesus? So, Father, I pray for each and every one here that you would bring to mind five names, five people. Give them the courage to begin those conversations, to see those people differently, to not be afraid, Father, to not run ahead of the Spirit and not stay behind the Spirit, to stay in step with the Spirit each step of the way. And, Father, that we would not let someone else do the work that you called us to do so that as a church we can see lives changed. And just while everybody's got their eyes closed, head bowed, if you don't have a spiritual birthday, if you can't remember a day when you invited Jesus Christ into your Lord, into your life, you could have been coming to church for years like I have. You need a spiritual birthday, and today can be your spiritual birthday. You can make your spiritual birthday my birthday. That would be awesome. And it's quite simple. You just go to Jesus and you can say this prayer. Dear Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need you in my life. Come in my life and change me. Let your spirit take over that I may have real life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if that was your prayer this morning, it's important that you let someone know. Fill out a card or contact me. Let someone know because Satan will want to steal that away from you. And you need someone to be praying for you, to come alongside of you, and just to help you on that journey. So let me know. Let somebody know. Today was my spiritual birthday. Five, six. Five, six. I'm tired. Please stand. Don't forget, be faithful with your offering. You can give online. You can give on your way out. If you have a prayer request in the seats in front of you somewhere, there's a card. You can fill out a prayer request. Either give it to Lynn or drop it in the offering there. Or if you go online to our website, hit contact. One of the options is prayer request. And I will get your prayer request. We've been praying for a lot of people. We need you to keep two people, two families in prayer today. Um, Kevin Hormel, our brother in Christ, at many of our men's retreats, him and Kimber used to come here on a regular basis. He passed away this week from COVID. And uh, Sandra Arnquist, not many of you would know Sandra. She used to come. They moved away, would sit back there quietly. Uh, Her husband, David, passed away this week as well. So please keep the Arnquists in your prayers and keep the Hormels in your prayers. Father, we just give you thanks again for your holiness, for your love, for your blessing. Father, your desire is not to to beat us with the rules. You didn't come to judge us. You came to save us. You came to empower us. You came to lift us up so that we would be your people and your light would shine in our lives. Father, let us surrender to the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I lift up the Arnquist family to you. I lift up the Hormel family to you. I pray your peace upon those families in this difficult time. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming. We will see you next week.